nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening and welcome to San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry and joining me today is my good friend, although in about uh, what two actually 48 hours from now, we will not be friends uh, as we'll be going head to head uh, from down in the valley, uh, Edson and also from the Striker, Texas. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? Harry, think uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show once again after a while. Uh, yeah, we talk. didn't have you last year. We we subbed in Ray um, yeah. uh, for her, and and Ray uh, reached out, but uh, unfortunately he has to work tonight. So mm-hmm. I was glad to reach out to you and talk to you about RGV because it's it's been an interesting off season. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll say. Yeah, uh, I mean that's one way. That's one way you can say it. I think uh, <laughs> you know I've mentioned it before uh, on Twitter. Mentioned it before on my uh, articles for the striker, you know, that uh, after what happened last season with RGV doing the rebuild, becoming independent, uh, you know, finally, after how many years of being under the dynamo, the dynamo, um, it seemed like it was starting to build to some greatness, Mm -hmm. make it to the playoffs. You know, you make it to the Western conference semifinal. We get trashed by you guys. Yeah. But we get trashed by you guys. At H, uh, you at uh, Toyota Field, um, and then all of a sudden it's just radio silence for multiple months. weeks. Yeah, months. And the off season started to move for the rest of the USL, and you started, you know, seeing all these players that were key uh, part of RGV last season. You know, move on to other other clubs. You know, for example, Elvis Amo to Colorado Springs, um, Babu Karjai to Phoenix Rising, uh, Carter Manley to you guys to the, to San the annual transfer. Yeah, the, yeah. There's always one. Always. And, and then all, and so then there was nothing announced. Uh, RGV did not announce any uh, any renewals. RGV didn't announce any um, actual transfers or roster moves at all. So a lot of the fans who were probably expecting to finally see some uh, some consistency from year to year, um, including myself, you know, we were like, what's going on here? You know, even Jacob for a while, he was probably thinking like uh, this team is going to fold or something. But uh, it was later on, I think it was around, uh, was it February? Yeah, February? towards the end of February is yeah. when RGV woke back up, yeah. Yeah, they, then they started making all these announcements, and um, it was it was moves that I'm going to say uh, they weren't uh, shocking the USL, to be honest. I think the only one um, was uh, Gringo Torres 
towards yeah, but other, from, yeah. came from Colorado Springs. Yeah. But other than that, you know, it was, uh, I guess, just uh, trying to build a foundation. And uh, Wilmer was actually asked in that uh, training before the, the season opener, you know, he was asked about that particular reason why there was a lot of turnover. And he said that, honestly, to him, he, he felt like it as a technical director, he felt like it was it was the right move to build a squad that fit his needs rather than a pretty much a mash mash bin of uh, parts, you know, that he's going to try and make it build together. Cause that's what it was. That's what RGV was last year. All right. You know, it was, uh, it was a team that was built in 14 days uh, with players that he himself admitted. He did not know what their characteristics were and he just pretty much made them work into one cohesive unit. And he felt that now with this roster, he felt like it's, he had a lot more input, a lot more uh, research done on the players that he got that felt like he would likely mold better into the system in the long term. I think what struck me is it wasn't only RGV fans that were worried, you know, San Antonio fans. I know some fans in Colorado Springs, Phoenix, you know, it, it became a issue of, you know, outside of the banter between San Antonio fans and RGV fans, Mm-hmm. We both want each team to do well. We both want each team to be sticking around and, and showing signs of improvement and building the game. Cause I think for both communities, that's what, that's what we're needing. And, you know, San Antonio has its own issues. Some of them not that far off from um, RGV, but RGV just took it to a completely different level this year where, even during the dynamo years, I don't think they were that quiet. And, and, it, and, you know, it got to the point where I was reaching out to you. I was like, Hey, is something, you know, is there something going on? And you're like, no, it's, it's in the works. And um, I know um, Wilmer was, you know, out in Europe, uh, Europe scouting vacation, that type of stuff. Um, so to me, you know, I guess one, and, and, you know, I don't know if you know this or if you can say it, I know San Antonio FC has started signing some players to multi-year deals. And I think you're seeing that trend, uh, you know, not only you know, with San Antonio, but also throughout the league with Wilmer being able to get more eyes, be able to mold his team the way he wants it to do it as the technical director. Do you know if some of the players are signed more long-term or, you know, you know, are they the one and done? If I don't know. even know one one or the other because when with the press releases that RGB sends, they don't mention specifics like how much like if it was a a transfer like a that the player they bought, mm-hmm. they don't mention what the terms were. They don't mention how much it was bought for. Um, they call it that that's just the the club rules, you know, to not right. disclose. Uh, that information, you know, and even with this, if it's in a one year or a multi-year either. So, um, but that's, that's Wilmer, you know, Wilmer, I mentioned before, he likes keeping everything close to his chest. He even said it in that press conference. He said uh, that he would rather, you know, keep things quiet and make, and the noise be made out on the field rather than to the presses or to in, in social media, you know, I don't necessarily agree because 
keeping fans informed, keeps up momentum, you know, keeps them, you know, uh, uh, informs them even more of like what they can expect, uh, especially when you've got front office trying to sell season tickets. Correct. That's, you that's know, the issue that we're talking about. It's not it's so like, much. It's the build on from the previous year to the new year. And, and you guys had good success. You know, we had success in, in, in San Antonio FC is trying to build on it. RGV, you know, I think the, you have to question, did they really build on it or are they hitting the reset button again this year? Reset button. I mean, that's basically what it is. You lost 70, minimum 70% of your roster from last year to this year. And a lot of them, you know, key uh, players that ended up performing well, you know, like we mentioned Elvis mm -hmm. Amo, uh, Rodrigo Lopez, Juan Carlos Azocar. You know, you know, these players that were some of the best uh, statistics wise, you know, Adrian Arturo Lispe, the center back, you know, these were some of the best performing players in the, in the squad. And, you know, for X or Y reason, you know, they, they let him, they let him go. So now you're, now you're building a, a, a club, you know, with uh, players that I think fit Wilmer Cabrera's style a little bit more, but you lose all that chemistry. So you're basically starting from scratch. You're basically, you know, all these players ha have to get used to we playing against, you know, with each other after the home opener. What struck me as odd was that Jesus Vasquez, the center back formerly from LA galaxy two. And he's the, you know, now the captain of RGB, mm -hmm. he made a comment in that, uh, that after the game, he said that um, that back line, of Malasevich, Jesus Vasquez, Wehebakwe, and Robert Coronado had never played a minute with each other, including offseason. You know? But you guys, well, I know you guys had an offseason, but you wouldn't have known it because there wasn't, you know, San Antonio will you know, list, I think they played four games uh, mm -hmm. this year, one against Dallas, which was basically, they got rolled, at, you know, they started camp. That was right at the time that we had the deep freeze here in South Texas. So, you know, I'm assuming practice was very limited. Then the following weekend, they went up to to Dallas. And, and Dallas at that point was, what, two weeks away from starting uh, their season. So, you know, they were in form. It was a nice tune-up. Came home, played the Dynamo 2, um, played Tulsa at home, played, and then uh, to me in, in – what I th I think shows a little bit of lack of respect if it wasn't communicated, but basically played the academy team, uh, you know, in the final week against our, you know, against uh, El Paso, um, who played their first team and, and got rolled. So, but RGV, I think we only heard one friendly, uh, and I don't even know one what the official. Results. Yeah, and that one was against official. Dynamo too, right? Correct. Um, they did play from from a s couple of sources. They played UTRGV. At HB Park, they played uh, Austin FC's reserves. They played Houston Dynamo Two, and they played Houston Baptist University. Uh, those were the four uh, preseason games that I heard that RGV uh, played in the off season. Uh, but you know, like like I said before, you know, RGV never mentioned anything uh, about those games publicly. They never mentioned anything about. Uh, you know, results or, you know, what the starting lineups were. Mm -hmm. But it all goes back to Wilmer Cabrera's style of preparing the club, you know, making sure that nobody outside knows, kind of let them work in peace 
and uh, just, uh, you know, display it once you really have to. And Robert made the comment, San Antonio FC never played a consistent lineup all preseason. That's true and not true. And, and this goes back to Edson's first point. Their starting back line played pretty much, you know, you know, played, you know, uh, Manley, uh, Garcia, and uh, Mitchell Tainer played all three. The goalies rotated, you know, the people in front of them rotated. Um, but the back line, San Antonio FC, you could tell that was the three starters. Now, who was starting elsewhere? That you know, that was left to left to uh, be a mystery. And and you know, what was odd is you know, uh, Patino played all the all all the preseason games, but you know, unfortunately, hasn't been fit to play in the regular season, so he must have sustained a knock. So, um, and I know you guys for I think for the first time there was two firsts that I think that took place this year. Number one, San Antonio FC and RGV did not play a preseason friendly uh, for it here. And I'm wondering if it had to do with the results of last year's preseason friendly, where um, let's just leave it. It wasn't friendly at all, especially among the coaches uh, from, from all reports. Mm -hmm. And then number two, the other was um, Ollie Wright uh, made the trip from San Antonio down to RGV unfortunately as soon as he got there um you know he had a lower leg injury i think on instagram you know, he, he broke his uh he broke a second metatarsal right. in that uh uh preseason game against austin fc so he's out uh he's out for a little while here um i know for san antonio they are also dealing with some injuries as well patino is still questionable um beckford is still questionable and they've announced uh money uh, the signing from Austin FC, um, who, you know, announced that he had soldier surgery and he's out for at least 12 weeks uh, and then he'll be reevaluated re again. So offensively, San Antonio is still a little bit challenging, challenged, uh, for that here RGV. And I know you mentioned, um, you know, just you know, on Wilmer, the technical director doesn't like to give, um, in injuries out. Do you expect changes to the lineup? Uh, for RGV, um, I noticed last uh, game against on Wednesday, uh, it was Miller in the goal, not uh, Tyler Derrick. Um, and then you'll have to help me with the names. Uh, Malesic, yeah, Malasevich, Malasevich, Vasquez, uh, Nodarce, Mueller, Yakaza, Torres, Martinez, Ruiz, uh, Frank Lopez, former San Antonio FC. Uh, player and Herrera. Do you do you anticipate that to be the the starting lineup, or do you anticipate some changes? I expect it to be uh, a similar starting lineup as we saw against Orange County SC. Muller's probably going to continue being on goal. Uh, I haven't been able to confirm it, but uh, it might be that Tyler Derrick may have gotten a knock, and mm -hmm. maybe that's why Colin Miller uh, has been starting. Uh, so, like I said, don't quote me on that. I have yet to confirm that, but it's just it's just strange that. Uh, Wilmer isn't the guy to uh, rotate uh, goalkeepers, you know, just for ro rotating sake. Uh, and honestly, he didn't do, uh, he wasn't, they didn't, Oakland Roots didn't reach him. Like, they didn't mm -hmm. do a lot of opportunities on him, but he didn't look bad. He hasn't looked bad. So the only reason I can think that, that Miller's been starting is maybe uh, Tyler Derrick got a knock. Uh, the back four. Because he hasn't even been on the bench either. No, exactly. You've had Javier Garcia, 
uh, on the bench, the the local guy from Mission, Texas. Uh, back four, I expect it to be uh, Jonathan Ricketts. Uh, we'll probably see Jesus Vasquez once again. Probably see Nadars because remember that uh, we have Akwe, uh suffered a knock on uh on the game against orange county sc like mm-hmm. i said i haven't heard anything as to if he's going to be fully fit by by sunday uh, but i did know i did see that aqua was uh in the on the bench on wednesday but i think it might have more to do with you know trying to make sure that they actually have you know make it to five at least five substitutes you know to uh, on the bench a- aj uh, knock is an injury uh for that here thank you for turning in aj yeah so uh so we'll probably see Nadars again and uh robert coronado uh out there in, in the left back uh position i think it's also going to be a 433 we'll continue to see juan pablo torres we'll continue to see cello martinez and emilio icaza and up on top ricky reese will stay frank lopez and we'll see uh uh dylan borjak uh, once again on the on the starting 11 so i don't think and it has a lot more to do with how limited we are in depth because of all these injuries and of course you know something going on with uh, uh adolfo hernandez who was uh who's on a loan from pumas or yeah pumas tabasco from uh uh liga mx expansion um there you go. now going off fat mob uh you know, they said RGV against Orange County ran a 3-5-2, but against the Galaxy, it was a 4-3-3. Um, do you anticipate going back more to the 3-5-2? Kind of what, you know, kind it's of always, with what San Antonio does? It's always been a 4-3-3. Oh, 4-3-3. Okay. So yeah, it's always, it, yeah, it's always been a 4-3-3 in the game against Oakland, in the game against um, uh, Orange County, and against LA Galaxy 2. Now, in the game... You'll probably see some variations. I know against Oakland, there were moments that you would see a four-one-four-one uh, because they had the the ball so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, I, it just stays uh, at a simple four-three-three uh, three, uh, for most of the game. And Tracy, uh, yes, Rafa will be going live for the Harlan uh, versus Del Rio game. Uh, for that, he is um, at the stadium uh, doing the high school coverage. Um, and like I said here, obviously I'm doing the show here with, with Edson, but yes, uh, uh, he will, you know, on, on the page, it will also have the, um, the coverage for that here. <clears throat> and so to me, the big loss, uh, for it here, but I think listening to you, um, you know, um, oh, I forgot what his name. He went to, oh, uh, Lo- Rodrigo Lopez, mm-hmm. who went back to Sacramento, uh, but you guys brought in one uh, Torres uh, for that here. Is he kind of filled that filled that role uh, for uh, for uh, uh, for um, uh, Lopez? They're two different styles. Um, I think uh, Rodrigo Lopez was that box to box midfielder, mm-hmm. just like he could help out on the attack. He could also help out defensively. Uh, Juan Pablo Torres, to me, and the rest of the you know like Isidro Martinez and Emilio Icaza, they seem to be a lot more attack-oriented. However, Isidro Martinez can play central defensive midfielder if needed. Um, If, uh, for example, if 
the other team has more possession of the ball. Uh, he, he'll lock down to to being a central defensive midfielder. However, when he was with RGV back in 2020, 2019, it was a lot more customary to use a two defensive midfielder lineup. Not necessary. I'm not sure how how well Isidro Martinez would uh, hold on as being the lone central defensive midfield because Emilio Icaza and Juan Pablo Torres tend to be a lot more uh, offensive oriented. So uh, to answer your question, uh, I really don't think there is uh, a comparison and I really do think that Rodrigo has got to be the, the biggest loss. I think the, the more direct comparison would have been Rodrigo and uh, uh, El Gringo Torres, Juan Francisco Torres. But unfortunately, like I mentioned, he's injured. So, And I did verify uh, Rafa does have the uh, video at Gustafson of the uh, Harlan and Del Rio. I just want to make sure that I didn't mess him up uh, by doing our show as well here uh, for that here. But uh, yes, uh, so, uh, you know, so Tracy, uh, you know, if you do switch over to Facebook, you can watch either show, uh, either ours or the, uh, the Harlan match uh, for that here. So, season-wise, San Antonio's off to record-wise a good start. I think if you uh, watch the performance, get a feel from the fan base, um, they're happy with the two wins, but not happy with with the results so far. Um, RGV's played three games. Uh, you know, they they beat the Roots. Uh, in my opinion, took a tough loss against the the champs uh, in Orange County with with a last second goal um, from former bold player Okoli. Uh, um, Okoli, um, and then unfortunately uh, had a midweek game against uh, Los Dos LA Galaxy. Uh, gave up a goal right before halftime, and uh, unfortunately, just wasn't able to get anything you know, on frame or on, on through there. I know you guys had 10 shots, but um, to, to me, it was, it, I didn't think RGV challenged as well as they did against Orange County mm-hmm. where you guys had a little bit more chances. So right now you guys set uh, one win, two losses, three points for San Antonio's played two has the two wins at six points here. So your thoughts on the early, early season so far for uh, RGV. Defensively, they look okay. I think, uh, besides the fact that they hadn't played uh, together for for, uh, for a while, or if ever, um, I think they've looked they looked uh, really organized for the most part. Um, they have they have limited. Uh, for example, in the game against in the first half against uh, Orange County, they limited Orange County to just two shots and only one on target. Uh, in total, I think it was three shots for the game against Oakland Roots. Mm -hmm. And in this game against uh, LA Galaxy 2, that's where they looked a little bit more more questionable. Um, I have a feeling that, you know, besides having Jesus Vasquez, I think we have Akwe in the the center back position has brought in some good organization, some good leadership, you know, coordination, you know, to this uh, defensive line. Obviously, in the second half against um, Orange County, you know, in the 54th minute, you're down a man, you know, because of Emilio getting a second yellow, which was and, reversed. Yes, um, uh, 
good. It was a it was a good decision to reverse it, to be mm-hmm. honest. But after that, you know, uh, the Toros kind of held on for for a while. But the problem is when you give Shanugo Coley too much uh, space, you know, to receive and uh, be able to deflect a ball like in a in a corner kick, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna be lethal. Mm-hmm. And it's just minor little details that, that need to be fixed defensively. So I'm not at all too worried. I'm worried about death. Don't get me wrong. But as far as the lineup is concerned, you know, without Eric Pimentel, I think we should be fine for for the season. Offensively, though, I think it, there's a lot of miscommunication and, and uncoordination between uh, the wingers and uh, Frank Lopez. Um you know, bringing in Duilio Herrera, the 17-year-old, to LA Galaxy 2, obviously, Duilio is very green, you know, at the professional level. So he was pretty much eaten alive. He really didn't do much. Once you bring in Dylan Borjak, you know, uh, into the game, that's when RGB started having all these opportunities that were starting to break down the, the mm-hmm. LA Galaxy 2 defense. But the coordination just isn't there. The crosses, it, there were some crosses by Ricky Reese that had some good intentions, but there, but you know, he was placing it in the second in the far post, but Frank Lopez or whoever was inside the box was trying to go towards the near post. Right. So there's that miscommunication that really hasn't helped, you know, with, with clear opportunities, you know, from all these crosses and also the opportunities that you have to make the shots. Well, they're not on target. You know, in the in this game, you you know, against Oakland, you only had one, which was the goal. Mm-hmm. Against Orange County, you only had one on target, which was the goal. On this one, you had two shots on target, and you know, you didn't score any of them. You know, so they've really got to f- work on improving that shot accuracy for the rest of the season if they want to at least equalize what the team did last season. Because at the end of the day, I think fans, they're always they're they're gonna be comparing to what they did last season. Yes. You know? So especially, you know, with when you're trying to convince that this is a new team, this is a new era, this is gonna be the future of a club that we can control. This is gonna be the next best thing. Oh, well, not to that point, but you get what, what I'm saying, you know. And then you start when you start going, you know, on a downhill from one year to one year. It's like, unfortunately, a lot of fans here in the Rio Grande Valley they don't have the uh, they don't have the the patience. They don't have the mentality that a lot of people, a lot of fans within the United States have of supporting local soccer. They want a winning team. They they want a a fun team. And if you don't bring them any of that. Uh, they're not going to support the Toros, even if they, even if it's your local soccer team, they're not going to support it because they don't win. You know, just look at tomorrow. I'm pretty sure HB Park is going to be filled with you know a lot of soccer uh, fans who are going to watch Tigres. You know, from Liga MX. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of soccer fans here in the Valley. Why aren't they supporting the Toros? Because of all these, because of all these years, and it's going to be something that is going to take a long time. A reputation is going to take a long time to shake. And-, and and that goes back to the start of the conversation where 
where I understand, hey, there's the tactical side of it, but then there's the other side of building that fan base of building, you know, helping marketing, helping the sales team to be able to do. And, and, and that it's a give and take. And, and I know San Antonio struggles with it, you know, even on our side here, um, our attendance is down from what it used to be just, it's, it's, it's a struggle. And, and to me, that's why, you know, and, and I expressed it to you personally, that was my biggest frustration with the RGV is you guys finally got your independence. You finally showed, Hey, we can put together a quality product on the pitch and then you know it was th- then the ball was dropped um and and, that, and that's 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 the thing that i struggle with 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 rgv because you don't see that with the vipers at least from the distance the vipers don't go through those same those same struggles now you're obviously local in the area you may have a different view um and i know it's basketball which is a little bit different but to, to me that that's that that was the disappointment um from you know from there so the odd thing about this match is it is a Copa Tejas match, but it does not count uh, for the standings here because there's only three matches uh, in Copa Tejas, or they're only counting two matches because uh, both RGV and San Antonio, uh, RGV and um, San Antonio play El Paso twice. So to keep it nice and even for everybody, um, which is the right thing to do. Um, the first match per the rules of, of Copa Tejas Um does not count um, for that here. Now, I will still, and, and I say it doesn't count for the Copa Teos trophy, but in the Shield Cup, it does count. So there's still a little bit of, um, a little bit of, of Copa Teos weight behind it. Um, but the South Texas Derby uh, for that here, uh, the Stampede, Crocketeers, you know, like I said here, you know, lots of fun and banter uh, for it here. I wish it wasn't a Sunday 630 match. Uh, for that here your thoughts on number one kind of the attendance that's going to be coming in sunday evenings um and 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 i hate to say it's part of the reasons what you know outside of going down and back i have to work there's also u.s men's national team game um i know nascar is big in the area there's a nascar race on that day um mexico also plays i don't know if they play before or after along those lines <laughs> uh for that here so there's going to be a lot of competition uh for people to attend the game what's your kind of views on you know i know the stampede will be there in full force uh but kind of you know the atmosphere game day going into that match uh, you know for that here what, what's kind of your feelings uh heading into this first edition of uh, san antonio rgv I do feel like the attendance is going to suffer because I think, obviously, you got the Mexican national team, like you mentioned, all these factors that you mentioned, but also, you know, the two losses that they've had on the road. I feel like that is going to kind of um, affect negatively some some of the more casual fan base uh, from from RGV that were starting to come back, you know, and to try to give up the opportunity to the team. other than that, I mean, in the, in the game against Stokeland, you know, the, it was a really good atmosphere. You know, the the fans themselves were, you know, cre- you know, they were chanting, you know, so pushing the team towards mm-hmm. victory. It obviously helps, you know, that RGB was controlling the match, you know, uh, and you know the fans continue to push, they continue to support, uh, and I really think that, like I said, numbers are going to go down because of the Mexico Mexican national team, 
you know, game that, that'll, that'll be occurring. A little bit of the USMNT as well. We do have some USMNT fans yeah. here, but it's mostly uh, Mexico. That's even um, here in San Antonio, to be fair, as well. So. Yeah. So, but I think for the fans that do are going to go to the stadium, I think they're going to be, they're going to be creating a lot of noise, you know, uh, within and of itself. So um, I, I think it's it's going to be a decent atmosphere if there are any um, San Antonio fans that will be making the trip. I know, know of a few, fun. but it's not like, – I'm still 50-50 if I'm going to go. Um, I'm leaning not going, um, but it'll probably be one of those, hey, how do I feel just for the fact I have to work, be at work Monday morning early mm-hmm. and going down and back. It's a 6.30 figure, get out, 8.30 – Obviously, you know, if you're traveling down there, you're going to say hello to the players because that's the benefit of going to away matches. Typically, you get a little bit more interaction from the players uh, for that here. I'm not saying that you don't get interaction at, at Toyota Field, but, you know, the players t- typically will go out of their way to come over and say hi um, for that here. Um, but it's getting back at, you know, 1, 1.30-ish um, for that here, so... We will, we'll, we'll see here. Robert's uh, trying to encourage me to go. Uh, I've already asked, hey, if I go, does Robert want to go? And he said, yeah. So um, we, we, we'll see. And I know AJ wants to go too. So I may make it, but I'm not committing as of yet. <laughs> uh, so to me, this, this match is going to come down to who controls the midfield. Um SAFC PC is healthy, you know, now he gets beat up every game, um, not on the injury list, but PC Abu, um, in the back. Um, how do you think, you know, cause that, that always seems to be the key uh, for these matches in my opinion is, is the midfield. Cause I think both defenses are solid on the back line. I think both defenses have good goalies, uh, or, or both teams have good goalies. Um, forwards, I think both of them still struggle a little bit on finishing, um, you know, with that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a strength of either team at this point. Um, I do like our odds better if Patino is in, um, but your thoughts on the matchup of the midfielders. Um, I think to me, the, 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 the one I'm interested to see is, is David, uh, Lorera. Um, who had a, in my opinion, the goal of the week. I know he didn't want it somehow, or I don't believe he won it um, uh, for that here. But uh, your thoughts on the midfield? I think the, I think the midfield, for the most part, uh, has done their job. Kind of, if I were to give them like a grade, like in the school year, probably be like a 70, 75. Like they're not a, well, they're not. See. You know, it's not outstanding, you know, but they, they're they decent, you know. However, they did have a lot of issues against LA Galaxy, too. They uncharacteristically lost the midfield in the first half. And, you know, it doesn't help that with Duilio Herrera not creating any opportunities, not... Um, not taking some attention away from the outside back to not move up as freely um they kind of lost they kind of lost the midfield it was mostly controlled by la galaxy too once you bring in someone like dylan borjak that caught their attention to not move up as really as much 
it seems like San Antonio had, you know, uh, RGB had a better uh, control of that midfield. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I, I think the biggest to me, I kind of disagree with with the midfield. I think it's going to be the the strikers. You know, who's going to Who be who's who's going to be finishing? And, and honestly, from what I can say overall, if you get it, if you look at it line by line, San Antonio has a lot more uh, experience mm-hmm. at this time. You look at the you look at the goalkeeper line, Colin Miller versus Christian Bonilla. Bonilla. Mm-hmm. You know Bonilla is what is he? He's a Colombian national team for a couple of times, right? Yeah, started in the Olympics for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what. And then what the, in the back line, you've got you know players from, like, for example, Jonathan Ricketts from USL League One. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Akwe from Loudoun United. Um, Jesus Vasquez from LA Galaxy too. Um, and then obviously Robert Coronado coming in from uh, Energy FC used mm-hmm. to be with the Toros when they were uh, under the Houston Dynamo. And you look at, you look at, you know, the experience that San Antonio has. Yeah. Mitchell Tannell, who has 150, yeah. the last game was his 150th yeah. game in USL. Carter Manley that spent what, multiple years down in, mm-hmm. in RGV. Uh, Fabian Garcia uh, has time with the uh, uh, Bold and, and other uh, clubs professionally. And this year they brought, or not this, this week they re-signed uh, Kamiri uh, for that here. So we're interested to see if he gets on the pitch and, and who possibly gets bumped or if they're going to roll with, with those three. But yeah, the, the back line, like I said, I, I do think San Antonio does have at least experience wise a, a little bit more of an edge mm-hmm. um what's interesting is san antonio hasn't been pressing as much uh this year um on and the rgv has rgv loves the high press so uh, so that that and and i know from what we saw last uh playoff game the matchup between both of us when san antonio played that high press RGV couldn't do anything. Right. They, you know, they they became desperate and they started making all these mistakes and giving away the ball really, really easily. So that could that could be something that that RGV. But on the flip side, when RGV had the dominance of the high pressure, San Antonio looked very shaky mm-hmm. as well. So um, going back to you know going back, I think overall, I think San Antonio does have the advantage overall uh, going into this match to me. And if I, if we're ready to give predictions, I'm willing to say that RGV, RGV is going to lose this match. And I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong. But I I think from what I've seen so far is most likely, I I don't think San Antonio loses, but uh... The San Antonio has never started three and zero in their entire history, so this is an opportunity for them to do that. Um, RGV neither um, did RGV last season, and we did <laughs> end up doing so. Um, but I think another thing is you have to take a, you have to take into consideration the fatigue. Yes, you know, you guys. There was no rotation. Day. There was very little rotation from from the squad in in this past week. You had three. What was it? Three games in nine days that you're going to have. 
And you guys and, don't have no like, San Antonio doesn't have a lot of depth even now, which is one of the puzzling things for us. You guys are also in that kind of same situation, right? I know you have people on the bench, but they're unproven or or young kids, right? Pretty much. Uh, like, and the thing is, is like your experienced players are injured. So what good does it have? You know? Right. So I, I think overall, I mean, nobody expects a lot of injuries so early in the season. So that really is a question of what's going on with the trainings that's causing these players to get injured. And, you know, was there a, a lack of preparation overall for these kind of circumstances, especially now you got to act, add the load of the U S open cup. So obviously I'm not, I'm not at this point, I'm not yet there yet I'm to start bashing the team. It's just, it's, it's at this it's point, still it's, like it, it's still early. There's still a lot, a lot of season to go to, but it's a good, it's good to start asking these questions and to kind of let people know, like, hey, this is what's really going on. Um, and, you know, got to be you got to be honest with the fans because the fans, they're going to eventually realize when you're when you're lying to them or you're trying to um, you're, you're trying to how was the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, just lie to them. Trying to pull the wool over their head. Yeah. So I know on my predictions, I said 2-0 San Antonio. Uh, for that here, I, I I do think San Antonio gets the win, um, just because I've been to these matches and I know how tight it is. It would not shock me if if it was a draw, you know, like a zero zero or one one draw, just mm -hmm. for the fact playing at HEB Park, especially if the wind is up, um, it is is challenging. It, you know, it's 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 a great thing here now. There is one topic that I want to get to uh, for here. It does deal with Copa Teos. El Paso. Uh, your thoughts on El Paso start? 0-3, um, um, giving up goals left and right. I think uh, uh, the lights uh, just scored again uh, for that here. But uh, your thoughts on El Paso and the defending Copa Teos champs are off to a slow start. I mentioned it a couple of times in Copa Te in the striker Tejas. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever we touch upon the subject of El Paso Locomotive. To me, El Paso Locomotive is going through a drastic uh, change in direction. You've got two completely different play styles under my, uh, Mark Lowry mm -hmm. and under Hutchinson now. It's completely different. And I lived through it with uh, Tigres. You know, obviously, you got to keep in proportions, right? But it was, it was a similar move, you know. You had uh, Ricardo Ferretti, who was a coach that he always valued defense over offense. Uh, he always valued organization. He always valued possession of the ball. Um, a lot of fans, including myself, weren't really happy because you've got all these great players like Gignac, Florian Tovan, um, uh, Jurgen Damm at the, at, at their time at the time that Julian Quiñones that tend to be a lot more offensive, but you couldn't see their potential because they were, it was a slow, it was a slow moving team. Yeah. It brought results. We've made it to the club world cup final under, but the fans are really going hundred percent happy. It just wasn't entertaining and it wasn't living up to the potential of what they wanted to see, you know, from the level mm -hmm. of the teams. You don't renew him. He leaves. You bring in Pio Herrera. Miguel Herrera is very offensive. He's a he's a coach that you know he values offense and uh, flair 
uh, over defensive organization. What happened in the first season? Yeah, they scored a lot of goals. They also got scored on a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was very entertaining to watch, but it wasn't like some results weren't there. They made it to the playoffs and uh, they made it to the semifinal. Yes, but you could tell that there was something that was off about this team that still needed to be worked on. And that was defensively. With Apostle, I say all of this because with Apostle Locomotive, I see the same thing. Mm-hmm. I see a I see players that have been used to Mark Lowry's system for so long that it's hard to make them forget that and switch on to something completely mm-hmm. different from not, from one day to the next. And I saw the same thing with the fact that they went up to they go up to attack crazily, you know, without any organization. They leave themselves exposed out there in the back. Uh, biggest two examples were one of the goals against Sacramento Republic and again, mm-hmm. and another one against uh, Las Vegas Lights. Mm-hmm. You know, completely uh, exposed where you're left with what a two v one situation against the keeper. So, um, what I'm trying to say is, I think El Paso fans have to be very patient. The results are not going to be coming in, you know, immediately. The, the players need to get used to this uh, this new system. Maybe uh, Hutchinson is going to need one other offseason to bring in more players that actually fit his style of play and mold that into a lot more personalized of what he wants rather than the remnants of what Mark Lowry left before he left to uh, in the 11. So I think it, El Paso is going to suffer this season. They might get better than... Uh, towards the end of the season as they get more used to it it might but it could be very uh be too late to make it to the playoffs or even right. to challenge copa tejas but i think next season is when i think the rest of the usl might have to be careful because el paso is going to be one fun team uh to watch you know if we if we want to keep with it with that parallel between uh them and tigres they're entertaining to watch even this year um my concern is because they 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 play kind of what RGV plays. They play you know that that pressing. Um, they play, you know, but San Antonio struggles on narrow pitches and in, in a baseball stadium playing that pressing pressing um, style because there's not that space that you typically want like at HV Park and, and Toyota Field. So to me, I kind of question that. The other thing here, um, and, and I know seriously, Loco you know was already you know putting out here. Um, I know Evan Newton's off to a uh, to a, a rough start, but those goals aren't on him. You know, there's a couple of them where he's out of position because, he, you know, as you discussed, they're trying to learn a new system. Even he's trying to learn a new system. So he is a top-notch goalkeeper. However, he has been, um, you know, up in MLS, hasn't played a whole lot, and then to go and switch to more of a sweeper-keeper style. So to me, I kind of, kind of question how they, you know, how the team put together. And like you, I do think this is going to be a two year kind of rebuild uh, before El Paso gets back to where El Paso needs to be, especially in the West where it's, it's a loaded West. You know, you, you go down, you go down the the list. There's, there's really not any weak teams. Um, Monterey Bay's got got a lot better um, defensively. They've tightened it up after that first half against Phoenix. The roots you guys played are very defensively. Orange County, solid. New Mexico has found a little bit more in their offense. Colorado Springs, Sacramento, Orange County, Phoenix. 
are all going to be tough outs and and the lights are showing hey even though they're a, a hybrid team i guess you would say they've got mm-hmm. better talent this year um uh, for the hair they seem to be a little bit more organized now do i think they'll be able to win every game no but i, I don't think there's you know there used to be matches where you could kind of roll out your b side and you could still probably walk away with three points this year i don't think that's the case i think you know the you know from one through 13 you've got to you've got to be playing you got to be playing on on you know you got to have you got to have luck on your side or you might might be walking out with a loss but so you you think san antonio is going to win i've i've got san antonio 20 any final thoughts? I know uh, you're going to be traveling up to the Austin area this week to kind of catch uh, your, uh, I don't know if it's your first NASCAR race, uh, you know, at Coda, but. Uh, it's actually my second. I went last second. year, but it was rained, <laughs> rained out. Yeah, it was horrible uh, last year. But this, yeah. this year, it's supposed to be perfect. What, mid 80s and. Yes, sunny, was, sunny weather. I was watching the practice and, you know, it was kind of cool to, to see them race in the rain last year, but it was just like, okay, hey, yeah, they're not able to, to do what they want to do. So I will probably tape that in, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll watch it live, but uh, that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah, and it's going to be my, and I'm taking my sister, so it's going to be her first uh, experience at a NASCAR race. Um, but hopefully, hopefully it'll be fun. But I think my final thoughts, uh, I think it definitely, if if there's one thing that uh, we need to learn uh, as a rivalry, and I think we've done so far, we've done a decent job mm-hmm. of maintaining some sort of civility. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be some few rotten apples here and there on both sides, you know, sadly, from what we've heard. Um, but I think overall, you know, we're pretty chill fan base with each other, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things that you know we said you know 90 minutes we're enemies but the rest of the time we can hang a beer hang out and then drink some beers and you know talk soccer you know and give our points of view and 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 i think this needs i think this needs to continue don't listen to or or, i don't want to say don't pay attention yes pay attention to those that are trying to ruin the 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 party uh, per se like what happened in in orange county it was an isolated incident, yeah, but it, uh, sadly, it made the RGB fan base kind of look bad, uh, or that's the intent of some uh, fans that they wanted to. But I think overall, this is where the good fans have to stand up and and uh, and put an end to that kind of situation. And it's a beautiful uh, rivalry that's been brewing for a couple of years here between San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley. Let's keep it that. Let's keep it that way. Uh, and hopefully the fireworks uh, stay uh, on the pinch and not off it. <laughs> and not between the coaches. But, <laughs> but no, it, to me, like I said here, we, we've seen a couple of instances uh, recently, you know, the one in Liga MX, which was just on a completely different level. Um, there's been a couple of incidents, you know, you know, you know, where, you know, the Orange County, there's, you know, you've heard of, you know, I've heard of a couple other odds and ends there, but yeah, it's to me, like I said, that's, that's why I enjoy this. That's why I created, you know, the little podcast guide just, you know, so we can all get our voices out. Cause to be honest with you, we all support our clubs. We want our clubs to do well. Um, but let's be honest. Um, and we had a prime example just up the road, the Austin bold, uh, none of our teams are guaranteed tomorrow. Um, unfortunately this isn't, you know, we don't have that deep history and 
um you know that, that's why you got to cherish it i've already and been even through. with the and even with deep history it's still not guaranteed that you're yeah. going to be able to stay f in the yeah. chat for the rochester rhinos well the rochester rhinos are quote unquote back in the mls next pro but yeah i mean completely rebrand and yeah it's but they they you know uh, they carried over that history but um any and, and you're starting to see cracks in england as well you know you've you've seen some teams that have that have been here for decades and unfortunately um, are not, but Edson, I know you got to get going. Uh, do want to appreciate your time. Uh, like I said, it was a lot of fun catching up with you. Um, as you mentioned here, hope both teams and traveling, uh, fans, uh, you know, have fun. I know the stampede's always open, um, has a great tailgate, you know, you'll, you'll, uh, catch some grief. I'll probably be wearing my Los Gatos, uh, or my got Los Gatos Blanco shirt. Uh, if I do uh, make the trip down, um, I already got Robert that, that says he'll roll with me. Um, I know the checks are planning on going down uh, for that here. And there's always usually one or two others that mm -hmm. are down in the Valley that, that will make the trip. And, uh, but I know the stampede throws on a fun uh, tailgate, not as cool as ours, but you know, Hey, it's RGV. So, you know, you know, it's always a step below San Antonio, but still above Austin. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, I've always wondered what happened to that cat. It's still in the stadium. Last I knew, it's it's around this. It's from my understanding, they have cats around the stadium for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Now, where the cats go or along those lines, that I don't know. But, but you know, it's what year six, and we finally have an identity. You know, that that San Antonio has embraced. That's uh, not Spurs related. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Johnny, uh, we'll, we'll we'll just toss that to you. It's it's not has nothing to do with the Spurs. <laughs> so but edson thank you for your time my final thought you know to go with edson's is you know just be nice to each other um also if you know if, if you're having any you know mental issues anything along those lines uh you know my line's always open you know i'm assuming edson if if, if you're down in the valley if you reached out to him he, he would make time for you as well uh, national suicide hotline um you know, just, just like I said, if we're here to help each other out uh, for that here, uh, you may get some banter uh, talking about soccer, but outside of soccer, you know, we all, we're all here to support each other both on and off the pitch. Uh, but thank you for tuning in and what's life without goals. We're out. Peace.